So we so we're all in agreement that basketball is the better sport than baseball, right? Uh, no, no, baseball is the best sport that's ever been created. Yeah, I was, forever. And I, was, I will. I, was I will rip throats out of anyone who argues. <laughs> I was softballing that in there for you, bro. Don't th- don't rip my throat out though. Whoa, yeah, chill, parlay, oh, chill, no, parlay dude, pats. Uh, yeah, why don't you lay back, parlay pats? Yeah. Wow. Dull knife. I mean, you caught me too close to opening day. You can't just be challenging <laughs> me like that. Ain't nobody gonna My name is Van Johnson. I'm 67, made up the city of Savannah. I'm pro Cobain. Let's go. That's all we needed. Ain't nobody gonna rip like me, spit like me, flip like me, drop them high grits like me, hits like me, just like me. Nah. Ain't nobody gonna rip like me, spit like me, flip like me, drop them high grits like me, hits like me, just like me. All right, we're welcoming you on Mike Anthony now. You guys know him. You love him. Also known as Coach Mike Anthony. Getting ready for opening day on Thursday, April 1st of Major League Baseball. Nobody knows the game of baseball and has as many uh, um, opinionated takes of, of the game than, than Mr. Mike Anthony. He's calling in from Atlanta with uh, a young child alongside he, a young child that he has sired. Mike, thanks for uh, calling in. And uh, are you ready for baseball, my man? Yeah, I do have a young child with me. Um, <laughs> we can either bl- we, we can either blame her for any crying sounds you hear, or when we get to the uh, Phillies and more specifically Phillies bullpen portion of the discussion, uh, that might actually be my crying sounds that you hear. Word, 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 word. Okay, before we get started on all things baseball with Mike Anthony, I want to tell you guys about Coach's Corner and a brand new offer they have for us and for the HGP listeners. Go to Coach's Corner at 3016 East Victory Drive. Tell John Henderson, the owner, or your server that Hot Grits Podcast sent you. You'll get 25% off of your order for dine-in orders only. 912-352-2933. Find Coach's Corner on Facebook, Instagram, and tell them the Hot Grits Podcast sent you for 25% off. All right, I got a brand new sponsor to tell you guys about now. PrepSportsReport.com. The Prep Sports Report has been delivering local sports news one way or another for 20-plus years. Where can you find stories and information about the most outstanding student-athletes in the Savannah area? PrepSportsReport.com. That's where. Led by our guy Carl DeMossi and former area sports reporter Stephen Weeks, the Prep Sports Report is a reimagined website that wants to celebrate young men and women who are setting the high school sports standard in Savannah and surrounding areas. Go check out PrepSportsReport.com today. Go like Prep Sports Report on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at PrepSAV. PrepSportsReport.com, your number one source for local Savannah High School sports news. Hitter, how has that not been rectified at this point? And what's the argument against it? it just for like the casual fan, it, it affects competitive like affects competitive play. Yeah, one league pitcher, has it, one league doesn't. Mike, I'll let, you, I'll let you jump in, but I think more generally what I, what I was thinking – and, and to Spencer's point, uh, Mike, like it seems like there's a set of rules that they're instituting um, in the minor leagues or trying out in spring training that are associated with pace of play, right? Directly mm-hmm. associated with speeding up or else shortening. Those two things are not the same, but I think baseball uses them interchangeably. Shortening or else speeding it up, more action. And then there's another set of rules that are almost being earmarked like uh, – like backdoor bills in Congress or something like they're sticking it on the end. Yeah. These things like making the bases larger. Um, the things like uh, the the different baseball. Why do we not have a set of baseballs 
that are all the same. Why is it that like now the ball is supposedly going to be deadened a little bit more? You know what I mean? There's one set of rules like the DH and the bases and all that that have nothing to do with pace of play. So I just don't know yeah. that those are called for, you know? I, I mean, it's a mess, especially with all the things that you specifically mentioned. Like, it seems like there's one set of things that tries to to make the game go faster, but then, uh, you know, especially when you mention uh, the ball being maybe deadened, which that's been a point of contention for, what, 20 years now of how lively the baseballs are and every year there's a, there's a document or a, a think piece about you know, whether they're better or worse than before. And, you know, if anything... Or whether they're the same. Like, whether right, that night right. in Colorado, or Colorado's a bad example, but if that night in Miami, are they playing with literally the same exact baseball that they are in Texas? And the answer is no. There never has been the same to... Like, they don't have standards like that. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. And, and honestly, the most frustrating thing to me is that there have been two kind of conflicting points of uh, uh, content the last couple of years, mainly being that, you know, it's gotten to the point where Major League Baseball is coaching up every one of its pitchers to throw 100 miles per hour up in the zone and just either strike out or walk people and never allow good contact. And at the same time, you're having people complain about how the ball's juiced up now and it goes out of the park too much and, I mean, that's that's the tough conversation the baseball has to have is what we've been after the last three, four years is everything's a strikeout or a home run. And, you know, that contem- that, that yeah. constitutes about, uh, uh, you know, 50% of the game and the rest of it is just pitches that no one can touch. That's, it that's, also, like, that's also like systematic of – symptomatic, excuse me, of what baseball tried to do for so long and they've decided – ultimately was a mistake is that they wanted to see more 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 home runs and it made it's in my mind it's made for a less watchable product because you want to see guys on the base pass you want to see the, the most exciting part about baseball isn't a home run usually well i don't know what, I don't know, fair, you know base, what i mean like I, I don't know the baseball is like in consensus about what is and isn't yeah. a problem right now yeah. like mike just said strikeouts and homers uh there are dudes out there right now that will argue with you about how that has benefited the game and about how it's grown the game. Do you think it's grown the game? Like just strikeouts and I, like, don't. I don't. Uh, I think it's similar. Like like all the years that baseball has been being played, the average, the major league baseball batting average has almost always been plus or minus two points to two sixty three. Yeah. Like they, there are constants in baseball that just fluctuate maybe every 20, 30 years. The thing is, the steroid era just completely skewed everything we knew yeah and i think we're still like on the back end of a lot of that steroid stuff and we're not like sure what's real what's not should we move the fences in should we lower raise the mound are we gonna have home plate umpires in four years like there's a lot of shit for lack of a better word that they don't know yeah and and i don't know if you go from mike correct me if you think i'm wrong do you think like baseball and its owners or even players and fans like do do baseball fans agree on what's wrong with the game no, I, I don't think so. I, no. I, I mean, I think, honestly, if anything, you know, you just talked about how we had a decade, decade and a half of, you know, drugs and steroids and whatnot changing allegedly. how people hit the – Allegedly. Uh, well, no, the a lot allegedly. of that's actually proven, to be fair. Right, right. <laughs> but but all – uh, 99% of that was based on the guys hitting the ball. And I think that right now what we're experiencing in the last – four or five years 
is the backlash of that, which is everybody using, if not the same drugs, different drugs geared towards a different end. I think you're seeing it on the tail end of that. And that's why all of a sudden, you know, every, every team has three guys that can throw 95 miles per hour for seven innings. When did you ever see that in the history yeah. of baseball? And now you've got pitchers doing it, and now you're seeing, you know, the the other end of it. You know, you still have guys that are going to swing hard, and God forbid when they make contact with a 99-mile-per-hour fastball just right, yeah, it's going to go to the moon, whether they're a 150-pound shortstop or a 250-pound first baseman. But, you know, 95% of those swings aren't going to make contact. When they do, you get home runs. When you don't, you get strikeouts. And just look at the box scores. That's what we've been dealing with for the last few years. So, we, so we're so we all in agreement that basketball is the better sport than baseball, right? Uh, no, now. baseball is the best sport that's ever been created. Yeah, I was, forever. And I, was, I will, I was I will rip the throats out of anyone who are. <laughs> I was softballing that in there for you, bro. Don't th- don't rip my throat out, though. Whoa, yeah, chill, parlay, oh, chill no, parlay yeah. pats. Yeah. Why don't you lay back, parlay pats? Yeah. Wow. Dull knife. I mean, you caught me too close to opening day. You can't just be challenging <laughs> me like that. All right, we got Mike Anthony with us from Atlanta calling in to preview the Major League Baseball season. Um, Mikey Hardball, we're going to have him on hopefully periodically throughout the season to talk about baseball and uh, you know discuss the goings-on mostly about the Atlanta Braves in the National League East, yeah. his beloved Philadelphia Phillies. We'll get to the futures bet and maybe an alliance between Spencer and uh, Mikey Hardball in, in a minute. But, Mike, I wanted to ask you if you had a walkout song. One night, you get four at-bats. What's your walkout song? Uh, Led Zeppelin, Cashmere. Done. Son. Spencer, what's your futures bet on the Phillies? Mike, I got the Phillies to win the NL East at plus 985. Now, that's not an invitation for you, Mike, to defend why that could possibly shake out. That way, that the Phillies will win the National League East. But Spencer mm-hmm. told me right before we started recording this, he, he is recording this, I hope. Uh, yeah, he I'm thinks recording this. That he thinks the Phillies are the clear favorite if it's, no. not, if it's not the Braves. No, 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 no. That's uh, not what I said. That's not what I said. I, ahead, I, tell I, me what you said. I didn't say, like, by statistical models. I didn't even say, like, by, like, they got, you're like, they got by analysis. And I said, if the Braves don't win, the Phillies are going to win. I can't go there in my mind that the Mets are going to win. The NL East. I, I, I'm not. I refuse to believe that. Mike, it's still spring training for Spencer as well. He's working his way back into baseball guy. Yeah, he was close last year. COVID protocols. A lot of. I am baseball guy. Dude. Well, you're in the cage. You're working launching. Yeah. Work, working words like that into your vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. Spin, spin rate. <laughs> um, I mean, all all I would say is that you know, I, even as a diehard Phillies fan, gun to my head, I wouldn't pick them to win the NL East, but. At plus, did you say nine eighty five? Nine eighty five. That's a fifty dollar bet I mean, to win five hundred. That's a stellar value bet. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I mean, honestly, I don't know what is going on with the analytics. I'm not a big egghead. I don't know what Picota's thinking, saying that the Braves are going to finish fourth. Like they're a good team, and sure they could mess up. Sure they could get hurt, but. They're the three-time defending NL East champs for a reason. Yeah, I agree. I don't know why all of a sudden they're predicted fourth. And the Mets, you know, it's, you know, kind of the inverse. You can look on paper and say how good they are, but at the same time, how many times have they been the best on paper and just fallen apart? Well, one time they won the pennant and went to the World Series. 
Right, one time, but I mean, how many other times have they been like the clear favorites in the East right. and not done anything because their entire bull or not bullpen, uh, entire starting rotation falls apart? So, you know, not knocking anybody. I'm just going off of uh, historical trends. I'm not predicting the Phillies to finish first. I'm just saying that if you can get them at plus 985, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I think the Phillies finish get, with a winning record this get, year. Honestly, if you can get anyone other than the Marlins in the NL East at plus 985, I encourage you to go for it. I was just about to say that I would take any of the four at plus 985. Uh, This is what Pocota has, and these are uh, uh, projections based off of only simulation, so this is not like any human emotion involved in this. National League East, five teams. New York Mets, Washington Nationals, Phillies, Atlanta Braves in fourth, and Miami Marlins in fifth. Pocota has Atlanta at 83 and 79. Philadelphia right there at 83 and a half and 78 and a half. Second place, Washington Nationals, 83 and 78. And then the Mets projected to win nearly 92 games. So every team in the National League East, Mike, uh, over 500 from Pocota except for the Marlins. And I would even, you know, if I was a gambling man, I would bet the Marlins go over on that 70 win yeah, total. I, I would agree. Pocota has them at. Um, all right, you guys are listening to our Major League Baseball baseball season preview with Mike Anthony. We're going to get you guys right back to that interview. But first, let me tell you about Savannah Adult Baseball League. Savannah Adult Baseball League has been around now for nearly a decade, and it has eight teams in an 18-plus division and six in a 33-plus division. Opening day for the spring season was on February 28th, but they will have a fall season, a wood bat season, and I think they even play some games at Grayson Stadium. Here's how you learn about more about the league. Go to Savannah Adult Baseball League on Facebook or savmabl.com. That's savmabl.com. Don't settle for underhand pitching in a softball beer league or church league. Play hardball on quality diamonds across Savannah in a competitive, organized league. Savannah Adult Baseball League. If you go, tell them the Hot Grits podcast sent you. And now we'll get you guys back to our interview with Mike Anthony. Mike, do you think outside of the Phillies, like I think the most fascinating thing to me is the top of the Nationals rotation. They have Patrick Corbin, who's coming off a, a bum year, and then you have two guys that have kind of been, you know, in, in similar fashion to DeGrom and Syndergaard. You have one guy in Scherzer that's been there, done that, won the awards, showed up every five days, and then you got another ultra talented guy um, in Strasburg, Syndergaard, two guys that are hurt often. But obviously, really talented. I, I think those two things are the are the things that I look at uh, as being like some of the most interesting stuff. Yeah, I think that when you look at like the Nationals, uh, what they're really missing, and I don't think uh, I'm not an analytics guy. I just go on you know what I see, what I feel. But I, I don't think there is any accounting for how much the loss of Anthony Rendon. Uh, uh, accounts for what the Nationals can or cannot do in their quote-unquote window. You know, whatever stats he puts up, wherever he is at now with the Angels, you know, you can you can judge that. But at the same time, there's no uh, accounting for how much he meant for that team in the regular season. The same as how much Howie Kendrick meant for that Nationals team in the postseason. Like, it's just a matter of catching guys either on a good year or even on a good postseason, um, and and that's so much of it. I think the Nationals still have a, a good group, but I don't think that 
they have a good enough group to say that they're a, a you know, a, a lock for the postseason unless they get one of those, you know, magic in a bottle regular seasons or uh, same thing, you know, just catch lightning in a bottle uh, last month of the year from some nobody. I, like, I, I just don't think they have the same horses. If, uh, see, um, I, I, I like the national. I, I think you. I think they're good. I'm just saying that on paper, uh, if you're going like right now, if you just said all things considered, 162 games are already gone. If you line up the Braves, Nationals, Phillies, Mets, I don't know if I can put the Nationals in the top two. See, I don't know, man. Like, is the Braves rotation better than the Nationals rotation? Like, we're, uh, Patrick Corbin. Over 162. Matt Scherzer, Steven Strasburg. Well, we have Ian Anderson over like, well, we have like a sample size of 15 starts. No, what I'm saying is over 162, the lineup tends to, it, it tends to favor well, the look, lineup. In, in a postseason, I agree with you. Is, is Juan Soto better than Ronnie Acuna? I mean, at, the, at the very least, it's a wash, right? Yeah. Certainly at shortstop, the Nationals are better with Trey Turner, I would think. I mean, they're better there. Okay. Uh, and then you go down the line and it's brave, 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 brave. The Braves lineup is better than the Nationals. Yeah, lineup. it will but, be better. But I mean, I, I don't think that, uh, Robles could have a better year. Victor Robles is still young. And yeah. shit. I mean, they like they have really good players. I could see them like them in the Phillies. I don't I don't see much of a difference between those two teams at all. Them in the Phillies. I really don't. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know if I buy I don't know if I buy the Nats as the third favorite. But uh, granted, I have skin in the game, and I, I think the Phillies are the third best team with a real chance to to make a run at it. But who knows? Uh, Mike, do you have an opinion on that? Do you buy? You, you you would place, so if you went down, you would go Braves, Mets, Phillies, Nats, Miami. Well, that's up to Andy. Who, who's making the playoffs I, I mean, for the I, division? I, I think that you guys kind of touched on it there with just throwing out all those names. That This division is so good. And so close, at least on paper, how things could turn out, at least over such a large sample size as 162 games, that it could come down to, you know, you could throw out a name on each of these teams, like not the best, which you assume to be there and producing every night, but, you know, you name that fourth or fifth guy in the lineup for all three or four of those teams every night, right. that's what it's going to come down to. Do they get hurt? Do they have a good year? Do they have a bad year? If uh, Victor Robles has an all-star year, yeah, the Nationals are going to be, you know, right there. If uh, Albies has another all-star year, the Braves, they're going to repeat for a fourth time. If, you know, for the Phillies, you've got a guy like McCutcheon who gets healthy and produces, or if you have a Kingery who comes around, like, you know, they're going to be right there. Those are guys who haven't been there for in the last two years that, if they come around, they could put them over the top. So, uh, you know, we can argue all we want, but I think it's kind of a guessing game. It's just – it's not about what the stars do because unless they get hurt, they're going to do what they do. They're going to be great. They're going to be all-stars. They're going to be worthy of guiding the team to, into the uh, postseason. It's what all the secondary tertiary, tertiary players do that decide what's going to come out on top of such a good division. Mike, what's the most overrated baseball movie of all time? And what's the most underrated baseball movie of all time? Ooh, that's a good one. Damn, I didn't even know um, he was going to say that, so he surprised me with that, too. We'll go around. Yeah. Dibs on okay, going third. Uh, Dibs on going third. 
uh, overrated baseball movie of all time, I'm going to go. Oh, this is the toughest one, but I want to just tackle it right off the bat. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Major League. Overrated. Okay, underrated. Or should we circle Uh, back to underrated? Yeah, and and believe me, I am not taking anything from Major League. I just think no, it gets you just called it love. the most overrated baseball movie right, of all time. No, Don't I'm not it saying back. it's not great. I'm just saying that in terms of how people think about it, I think that it gets Ooh. more love than some others could. Okay, my most underrated for love of the game. All right. Okay, Kevin Costner. Hmm. Spencer, do you want to go? I right. called dibs on going third. Overrated. Overrated. I've got Fever Pitch. The Boston movie with Was uh, Fever Pitch even rated? Yeah, no, no. I mean that's I mean, what I I'm saying. Well, overrated, but I, didn't even rate I think it. it's the story of a team that comes together, a bunch of misfit toys. Yeah. And they I mean an entire region this of the is, country they This is the story of some semi popular Saturday Night Live characters from yeah. the Early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, he got his own. It's game. the worst it's baseball movie Jimmy ever. Fallon's not playing guitar in the subway with a hat in front of him. It's, it's got a, his own gig. He's it's a bad. Famous. It's a bad baseball movie for dudes. I mean, girls like it. Bad baseball movie for dudes. Fair you enough. guys didn't think of it, so be mad about that. All right, they won in 04. It's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a and deal. also, LeBron lives in Travis's head. Is Drew Barrymore hot? If I can defend my overrated major league pitch. It's only that I regard it so highly. Like you have to love it in order to say it's overrated. Yeah. Um, I think most overrated baseball movie of all time is The Sandlot. The Sandlot. Oh, whoa! Yeah, we're gonna have words now, Mike. Uh, obviously, uh, I've done extensive research on the on the. Matter. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw hands. I don't. Like in the situation at the end of the movie, Benny Rodriguez, a, a person that knows and understands the game, he's not stealing home in that situation for the Dodgers that Sunday afternoon. Ooh. It's never going to happen. It's, that would never happen, ever. And the whole movie, we're led to believe that the PF Flyers, that Benny the Jet Rodriguez famously yeah. stunted, would, <laughs> would give him the ability to run faster i didn't actually get to do my underrated but i mean i think if you can even get james earl jones to have a cameo in your baseball movie you're pretty much saved from being overrated yeah i'm pretty sure i just made your uh daughter savannah real mad with that take sandlot fan (laughs) i guessing i just forgot my under i just forgot my underrated that's not surprising i'll go ahead a league of their own a league of their own that's where i'm going that was my that was my underrated but I always come prepared. I'm gonna have a backup. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I, I missed that through the screams of my uh, child. A league of their own. Was that an overrated or underrated? That was underrated. Spencer's underrated. He took it. From oh yeah, me. no, that, I'm not there. Underrated. Up. A league of their own is one of the best things ever made. Got Tom Hanks, one of the best actors of all time. Uh, you know what? Well, I, if we can, if we can break this down even farther into underrated course. performances in a baseball movie, yes, I will totally go Tom Hanks in a league of their own. Yeah. My underrated Jimmy baseball. Duke, Jimmy Dugan is one of my top ten <laughs> cinematic characters of all time. No, Jimmy go. Dugan was an excellent skipper. Of course, my underrated baseball movie, of course, is Hardball, led by the great manager. Comeback story: the Cucumbas, the Cucumbas, coached by Keanu Reeves, who has a crippling gambling problem, and then is handed over the responsibility of an entire group of children to coach baseball. Uh, he leads them to, of course, a league title. Uh, a famous name in the Cucumbas, a real feel-good story, and G-Baby lives forever, Mike. 
I, I like hardball. I love hardball, but it really was just a more dramatic version of the Mighty Ducks. Whoa, are you, wait dude. a second now. Now, wait a second now. Are you... Are we about yeah, to they line up the, the Mighty Ducks and they made it more heart-wrenching? Mike, the Mighty Ducks, why on earth did Gordon Bombay became literally like the most famous person on the planet in the movie Mighty Ducks as if the no, head coach of a Utah team. the first movie. We are not talking about a continuation oh, man. into D2 or D3. This is what he does too. We are not yeah, talking about the Minnesota things. Miracle Man. We are talking about Disgrace Lawyer. Suffering from a DUI, Gordon Bombay, with nothing but <laughs> a love of hockey and a will to keep his professional career alive. This is what our listeners come to hear, dude. It's not breaking down uh, the NL East. It's not our opinions on baseball. They want to hear what, uh, what what the main character of the uh, Mighty Ducks, you know, what his overall legacy was. That's what we subscribe to Disney Plus. New yeah. new series on the way. I hey, no free ads. One Mike. of the more impressive things about the whole Mighty Duck saga, which is, I guess, still we don't know if it was true or not. I guess that's up in the air. Uh, Hans keeping that skate shop open for so long when it was clearly so outdated was really remarkable, I thought. But it's also Incredible. Minnesota, so you never know. True. Lots of hair out there. What, what else there? What else you got for him, dude? <laughs> We've come a long way from uh, figuring out who the first – Second or third best team in the NL East. Yeah. Okay, there you have it. That was our interview with Mike Anthony, getting you guys all set for baseball season. Obviously, we'll have plenty more talk about the Braves and the National League East and baseball in general as the season progresses into season four for the Hot Grits podcast. We'll see you guys next week for sure for Masters preview, March Madness breakdown after the NCAA championships shout out to my sister-in-law summer who has a really good shot. I think if Gonzaga wins to win the $150 sponsored by John Carr real estate. So in season four, that's what Spencer and I will do um, quickly. My predictions for the world series, I'm going straight chalk Dodgers Yankees in the world series Dodgers in six Spencer will have to give his picks next time around. Um, episode 61, like I said, next Tuesday, will go April 5th for the start of season four. And this weekend, in honor of Easter, I'm going to flash you guys back now to episode six of the Hot Grits podcast from April of 2020, April 15th, 2020, when Spencer and I did our favorite sports resurrections in honor of Easter. Are you looking to buy or sell real estate in the Savannah area? If so, call John Carr Real Estate today. John Carr Real Estate, that's John Carr, C-A-R-R, in Savannah, 912-228-0916 or 6349 Abercorn Street. You can visit John Carr Realty at johncarrealty.com or on Facebook through John Carr Real Estate, Instagram, and on Twitter. John Carr Real Estate, buying, selling, or just learning more about the real estate market in Savannah. He's your guy, and if you call him, tell him the Hot Grits Podcast sent you. 912-228-0916. The Hot Grits Podcast is sponsored by Bewley Oaks Home Improvement. 
Bewley Oaks Home Improvement in Savannah. B-E-A-U-L-I-E-U. Call Tony today for any kind of home improvement work you might need, whether it's inside the house or outside the house, whether it's in the kitchen, the bathrooms, the floors, the roofs, anything you may need. Tony has got you. 912-667-5235. That's 912-667-5235. You'll ask for Tony, tell him what you need done, and tell him the Hot Grits podcast sent you. Let's let's uh let's do these uh greatest resurrections uh in honor of the goat Jesus in resurrecting on Easter. Uh we're recording this Sunday night, April 12th, Easter Sunday. Uh so we're just gonna rattle off some of the most notable comebacks that that we've liked and some of the best comebacks in sports that that we've you know seen on TV or or been around. So you know, in other words, we're not going back very far. But yeah. there's, a, there's enough that we've seen in our lifetime that I think this is worthy to make a resurrection list for sure. You wanna you wanna start? You wanna start, Spencer? You wanna start with mine? I mean, yeah, just yeah, just rattle off one if you want. I'll I'll go. The the one that uh, jumps to mind immediately. There was actually two that are kind of tied together. Was that Western Conference Finals, Oklahoma City Thunder and uh, Golden State Warriors. Golden State came back from 3-1 and then immediately followed that up with losing a 3-1 themselves to the Cavs. Oh, yeah. uh, but that that first one, it's, it was notable because I was watching that game six. Uh, I watched every second of that game. And I, I like, couldn't put it down. It was, I mean, one of the best basketball games I've ever seen in my entire life. And Clay Thompson dropped like 40-something points. I don't know. He, he went off. And every time he touched the ball, it was going in the in the hoop. Uh, that one, and obviously Cavs three one. Um, I got a few of them that are like that, like series wins. Yeah, and your, see, so you're kind of lucky because you're you're a Hawks fan, but like you don't have like when you're watching LeBron play the Warriors back then. You, yeah, you you truly, and this is rare. Like, and I can say this about you, like you truly come to those games, like you know, watch them on TV with no rooting interest at all. You just want to watch the basketball games. Yeah. And that you're true. kind of lucky in that way because you don't you don't get like you just get to enjoy all of it. Yeah. You know what I that's mean? True. Like I, I kind always... of find myself rooting against LeBron in those situations. So I like yeah. I remember that comeback and obviously it was incredible and you know like cool to witness it I guess. But yeah, I didn't like I'm not going to list that because I don't like that that happened. I would have rather the Warriors won. You, you see what yeah, I mean? I would have too, honestly. I mean, I you know, I dislike LeBron as a person, but I mean, <laughs> I, I like... You know, yeah. I just hate LeBron and everything he's yeah. saying just as a human being. Yeah, but I like watching him play basketball. I, I do like actively root against him, but there were things I didn't like about that Warriors team. I love Steph, I love Clay, but there were things I, did, I, I, don't, I didn't really like Draymond at the time. I've come around to him, but yeah, I, I had it. I was kind of rooting for both sides to fail, I guess, that game. Yeah, it's wild that we haven't heard anything out of Draymond Green all year because he and his team have just been getting their ass kicked up and down the floor. It's crazy yeah. how quickly that'll make you kind of quieter, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, you should up real quick. Uh, notable comebacks. I got to start with Celtics-Lakers, 08 Finals, Game 4. Celtics uh, up 2-1 in the series, complete the biggest comeback 
in the NBA Finals since 1971. They're down 24 late in the second quarter, 18 at halftime, and then they just kick Kobe's ass all up and down the floor. 23-3 to three run in the second half. Uh, or 23-3 to three run. This is crazy. The Celtics went on a 23-3 to three run in the last five minutes of the game to close out the Lakers and take a 3-1 series lead. They ended up winning at six. Uh, and they won 97, 91. Who was, who was the finals MVP that year? That was, that was, uh, that was Paul Pierce, the, right? the truth, Paul Pierce. Yeah. I remember I, I like wanted Ray Allen to win finals MVP, like really wanted to that for him. And he kind of disappeared in that finals, didn't he? Well, he, the thing is like, uh, I think that Ray Allen like was so good in those first three rounds and he was, like, I think uh, pretty undeniably the Celtics' best player in those first three rounds. Yeah. I mean, Garnett and Pierce were good, too, but, like, Ray Allen just was everything. And then in the finals, he was just, like, normal Ray Allen. I mean, he was still good. Yeah. But, yeah, he kind of, like, it wasn't he what was, we – But he's also guarding Kobe most of the time, I would think, and that yeah. has a toll on – Yeah, he's he was also that guy where he would go on stretches where he was unbelievable, and then he would have – a game where he would literally score no points. Like, I remember, the, I'm pretty sure there was a game in those playoffs where he had zero points. Yeah, that's cool. Well, yeah, and he was, like, not getting to the line too often because, A, yeah. he was shooting from the outside, and, B, everyone knew how locked in he was at the line, so no one ever wanted to foul him. Yeah, they didn't want to touch him. Uh, you want me to go again? Yeah, go ahead. Um, oh, just my notes here. Your notes. Oops. Don't forget the notes. Oops. Oh. Curiously enough, I went. Uh, we've got Tiger here again, but I'll go ahead and say Tiger, or no, not Tiger. Excuse me, screwing up. Tigers a comeback too. We can go ahead and list no. that. We've talked about that enough. This this actually really isn't a comeback, but Nick Faldo over Greg Norman at the '96 Masters. That's Greg Norman. That's awesome, but you didn't see that. I, I did. I saw it with Dad. I just don't remember it. Fair. I'm counting it though. That's fair. Yeah, I was I was actually talking to him about this before the podcast, and I was like, "Is there anything you like any comebacks you remember watching with me?" And he was he said he, that was the one he he listed off immediately. Um, so yeah, Greg Norman was up by like a gazillion strokes, and then choked it all away to Nick Faldo, who's now in the booth. You know what I'm thinking now because you you brought, you brought up your dad, and sorry to just completely uh, not even acknowledge what you just said, but <laughs> you brought up your dad. <laughs> And who is a God-fearing man. Uh, I wonder if he would put Lazarus number two behind Jesus and then all the sports comebacks. I forgot mm. Lazarus also raised from death. I did forget Lazarus. Dude, mul the Bible, multi-use multi of the resurrection theme and model. Yeah. Man, they, they didn't even want Lazarus to touch. They didn't even want him to touch Lazarus, too. The first Corona-like victim might have been Lazarus. Like, he's forced to quarantine himself. They didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Everyone's washing their hands when they come in contact with him. Good point with Lazarus. People, people sleep on Lazarus. They do. Um, what about, Spencer, this is a random one. Uh, Georgia Southern, George Mason basketball in 2018. Yeah. We were both there. Yeah. That was my first. Uh, I wasn't a writing assignment, but I was learning how to write there. Because I okay, yeah. So I was covering the game, and I, I remembered that you were there. But I, before the show, I was thinking like, why was Spencer there? Because we were living together at the time. We were roommates. Yeah. And and you know, I was like, maybe he's just bored and he wanted to go see. Because George Mason kind of a semi national brand. No. I mean, 
I had I had uh like a week later I had my first writing assignment. So you had to for... come and shadow me? Yeah, basically. Okay. So uh yeah, I probably wanted you to do that so you could figure out how to do the box scores. Which you still yeah. which you still never that's... figured out how to do. I suck at that. Um Georgia Southern ended up winning ninety eight eighty nine over George Mason in November of twenty eighteen. Uh, Georgia Southern trailed fifty four to thirty four at halftime. That's twenty points for the non math majors. Uh, George Mason sixty four percent in the first half shooting. Okay, listen to how Georgia Southern came back, Spencer, because I had forgotten how crazy this was. Georgia Southern erased that twenty point lead. Only eight minutes into the second half. It took them eight minutes. Jeez. They shot 78% in the second half and outscored George Mason 64 to 35. So they won by nine points after trailing by 20. And they outscored him 29 in the, in the second half. I remember shot almost 80%. We, we were having a conversation at the beginning of the second half and I like looked up. And it went from being down twenty to being like down ten in like no time at all. It was it was unbelievable how fast it happened. Yeah, and for me it was kind of shitty because I remember uh, and uh, our friend Mike Anthony was there for the Statesboro Herald, yeah. and Mike and Mike and I Mike. were like considering like, man, maybe we can grab a beer after this. Like our game stories were already basically written at yeah. halftime because we're you know, and then we're gonna fill it in with quotes and bang it and get out of it. And I just remember I spent the whole second half looking up from my laptop and catching the plays. And in between plays, Spencer, I wasn't writing like I usually would have been. I was just clicking backspace. So I was just deleting. <laughs> I was just deleting everything. Yep. And I was just the whole time I was like, "These mother, they're gonna, they're the Georgia Southern is definitely yeah. coming back, hundred percent." Like, yeah, that was that's a journalist nightmare. Yeah, my key with a deadline. <laughs> yeah, looming. yeah, and the Dominator looming too. Oh man! Um, Red Sox Shout in out, 04. Nathan. Red Sox in 04, down 3-0. Don't let us win this one, Kevin Mala. I think it's I think it's curious that an excellent quote there, dude. Don't let us win this one. Don't let us win this one was a legendary quote. I think it's interesting. Neither one of us have said the Falcons or the Dogs. What do you mean? What comebacks do they have? Oh, they didn't. They were on the other side. Yeah, I see, dude. I keep going. I keep going with. I went Greg Norman. That was a choke. I went with the Falcons. And, that was and a see, choke. that might say something more about your fandom than anything else. That you're so used to viewing comebacks from the absolutely like, from the other side. Yeah, you're just so jaded from like comebacks. When you hear that word, you're like, "Fuck, come, fuck comebacks!" Like I don't like comebacks. <laughs> Comeback is oh yeah. You you like you pick all chalk in your NCAA tournament brackets. R.I.P. NCAA yeah. tournament brackets. Oh man. Yeah. Um, all right, I got a few other random ones, Spencer. I was gonna rattle off unless you got one more one you want to talk no. about. All right, um, no, USA soccer in 2010 group stage. I remember I was on. I had just graduated high school. This is June 2010, and uh, USA needs to win over Algeria to advance uh, to the round of 16. And I'm in Tampa with my family vacationing, and I remember my whole family was so pissed because I wouldn't leave the condo and go down to the beach. Cause I was just locked into this, like, well, for the whole week. Cause I like, they had beaten England earlier in the group or tied in. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was just like, for that month, I was like, so invested in this team. And I really like, they lost to, they lost to Ghana that year. Right. Uh, I, maybe I don't remember in 2010, yeah. but, um, Landon Donovan scores in 
extra like in extra time uh, of regulation to win one nothing. And I remember like the sliding glass doors at the beach condo we had in Tampa were open, and my family's probably like five hundred yards away down the beach. Um, so I can see them, but I can't really hear them, and they can't hear me. But when Donovan scored that goal, I started losing it, and I screamed so loud. This is the game was at like at noon, and yeah. I started screaming so loud, and I nearly gave my mom, uh, who who was a runner back in her day, but is not not exactly quick on her feet now, was like sprinting up the beach because she thought something happened to me, <laughs> and I, she and which pissed her off even more when she found out that it was just a goal. <laughs> so that's kind of like my memory of that game. But like that, I, that team and those, the months that the, the months that the USA are in the world cup and they're competitive is it, so fun. It's happened a couple of times, um, but it's so fun. Damn, dude. You just struck fear in my heart thinking about your mom getting angry. dude. Your mom's anger is something to behold. Yeah. She's a, a good woman, but a scary woman. Um, yeah. Very effective. Very efficient in her. Very her effective. Area. Yeah. Um, what about your boy Brooks Conrad hitting a grand salami in May of 2010? The Braves. My are, boy Brooks Conrad. Yeah, the Braves are down nine uh, three to the Reds with one out in the ninth, and they score uh, seven runs without recording an out. Win ten nine. Uh, on a Brooks Conrad walk-off grand slam. The Braves had six straight players reach base ahead of Brooks Conrad's grand slam. All total, Spencer, listen to this. The seven runs the Braves scored in the ninth inning that day. And I think if this was like Mother's Day or Father's Day or so, something like that. It was like a Sunday afternoon game. Right. Braves have packed it in. They're probably going on the road later that night. Uh, all told, it took 27 minutes. Total. Unbelievable. Total to score that. So, like, nowadays, there'd be pitching changes every two batters. Like, they wouldn't be messing yeah. around. But they just were pinging balls, and Brooks, Brooks Salami hit one for the walk-off. So. Well, hopefully with the new rule changes, we'll see more stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, or at the very yeah. least, it'll be quicker, which needs yeah. to happen. Um, all right, yeah, that's all I really got for Sports Resurrections uh, in honor oh, yeah, of the same. That's the same Brooks Conrad that uh, friend of the podcast, by the way, that laid Bobby Cox to rest. That's right. Yeah, in right. San Francisco, yeah, yeah. Bobby Cox is last year managing. Uh, Brooks Conrad forgot how to feel the ground ball. Just became Chuck Knobloch right in front of our eyes and killed Bobby. Yeah, Cox. Yeah, Bobby Cox had already said he's gonna retire. Had the grave already dug. Uh, tombstone, <laughs> tombstone written. Nice script writing. But Brooks Conrad went ahead and grabbed the shovel. And just started throwing the dirt on Cox and just single handedly. He shouldn't have taken his glove to the field, is what, like, he, cause he had a better shot of catching him barehanded. I mean, that always cracks me up. Yeah. Briss Conrad's the worst.